as we come to that. Let's pray. Our Lord, uh, we, we come now uh, to hear from you. Uh, we have your word before us, Lord, and it is a wonderful word, a word full of truth, wisdom, a word full of the gospel, a word full of knowledge of your Son. Help us, Lord, to understand this passage today. Help us to be changed by it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this is 1 Samuel uh, chapter 28. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces to fight against Israel. Achish said to David, You must understand that you and your men will accompany me in the army. And David said, Then you will see for yourself what your servant can do. Achish replied, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all the Israelites and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so that I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? Saul swore to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, Whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a spirit coming up out of the ground. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me and God has turned away from me. He no longer answers me either by prophets or by dreams. So I have called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, Why do you consult me now that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbours. To David, because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. 
The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had eaten nothing all that day and night. When the woman came to Saul and saw that he was greatly shaken, she said, Look, your maidservant has obeyed you. I took my life in my hands and did what you told me to do. Now please listen to your servant and let me give you some food so that you may eat and have the strength to go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his men joined the woman in urging him and he listened to them. He got up from the ground and sat on the couch. The woman had a fattened calf at the house which she slaughtered at once. Uh, She took some flour, kneaded it and baked bread without yeast. Then she set it before Saul and his men and they ate. That same night they got up and left. Amen. It is sometimes said that the primary role of a minister is to prepare people for death. And as gloomy as that might sound, uh, there is some truth to that. It is true because the point of death is a turning point, the most important turning point for every human being. Why is that? Well, what happens when we die? Well, the answer is we face judgment. And those who are in Christ go to be with him, and those who are not in Christ will be cast into the lake of fire. And so if there is one thing that I hope for each of you, it is that you will be ready for that moment of death. That you will face death with hope and the knowledge that Jesus will save you and bring you into eternal life in his presence. Now this passage brings all these things to mind as Saul is confronted with his own coming death. Uh, But first, uh, one big issue in facing this passage is understanding what is going on with this woman bringing back Samuel from the dead. How is this possible? Can people really talk with the dead? What's going on? And not having those answers will distract us from what the passage is trying to teach us. So let's get that out of the way. Uh, Firstly, can certain people bring back the dead or speak with them? Uh, Lots of people claim they can, uh, but the answer is no. Uh, We know this because the Bible says that the keys to death and hell are actually in Christ's hands, no one else's. Not in the hands of mediums or spiritists. Uh, Mediums and the like don't communicate with the dead. And most of them these days are charlatans, fakes and tricksters. Uh, With even a little information, it is easy to fool the emotionally vulnerable. Generic phrases, careful observation of reactions to certain things and so on will allow some to make it seem like they know more than they do. And combine that with a bit of theatre and it will convince many and make the rest wonder how they did it. But it's all a trick. And in that case, the medium is uh, the liar. But there will be other occasions where the medium really believes Uh, what they do. They they are really uh, talking to something. 
But if Christ holds the keys to death and hell, who are they actually speaking with? It will be evil spirits, demons that they speak with, not the dead. In either case, whether it be that they speak with demons or that they lie, mediums and spiritists are abhorred by God. So what is the case in this passage? Well, it's actually something a bit different. In fact, it seems that the woman herself is surprised that anything happened at all. It seems that she was perhaps the trickster kind of medium. Verse 12 says, When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice. What happens surprises her. Now the person who appears really is Samuel. And we know that because the Bible doesn't call him an evil spirit. It doesn't suggest that the woman is lying about what she says, but instead she is shocked at what is going on. And Saul recognises Samuel, and Samuel's speech sounds exactly like the things that Samuel would say. And the Bible continuously says, Samuel is the one speaking. It's Samuel. But if Samuel has come back, it can only be because the Lord has allowed it. And the Lord made it happen. Not for anything that the medium has done. And the Lord can do such things. Uh, We know this because Jesus certainly went up onto a mountain and who did he meet there? He took with him witnesses, Peter, James and John and there on that mountain Jesus spoke with Moses and Elijah. Elijah and Moses weren't necessarily physically there but they were recognisable and they spoke with Jesus. The disciples were witnesses to that. The Lord can do such things. The medium cannot. And so what happens is, to the great surprise of the medium, the Lord allowed Samuel to speak with Saul one last time. So let's look at this passage. Verse 3, Samuel says, Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled all the mediums and spiritists from the land, and the Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem while Saul gathered all the Israelites and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart, and he inquired of the Lord. But the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. See, Saul is the king of Israel. But for a long time now, the Lord has been silent toward him. The Lord has not clearly spoken to Saul since Samuel brought words of judgment from the Lord when Saul failed to carry out the Lord's commands regarding the Amalekites. He has basically been out of contact with the Lord. And Saul now wants to hear from the Lord, but he cannot. Samuel is dead, and Saul killed all of the priests, and the Urim and Thummim are actually with the surviving priest who is actually with David. And the prophets aren't speaking to Saul. And though Saul might pray, the Lord won't even answer him in his dreams. The Lord has been silent with Saul. It's not as if Saul has no guidance from the Lord at all. He has God's word. He has the scriptures. And he has been following God's word to a degree. We can see that he has at least expelled all the mediums and spiritists from the land, which is what the Lord calls for in his word. 
But Saul wants something more than just what he has. Saul used to be filled with the Spirit of God in a way that gave him greater clarity and greater certainty. And Samuel used to bring him very clear instruction from the Lord. At the time, he ignored these things and went his own way. And so the Lord rejected him as king. But now he's in real trouble. He's absolutely terrified of what might happen. The Philistines have gathered for war, and so he longs for that word from the Lord again. And what he desires, especially in this moment, is not a word of instruction. He knows he must go into battle. What he needs to do is really clear. What he wants is a word of encouragement. He wants to know that the Lord is with him. He wants to go into battle with the Lord by his side. But when the Lord is silent, he cannot know the Lord's will toward him. He cannot know the Lord's will in respect to this battle, but he wants to know. He desperately wants to know. Verse 7 says, Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? This is how desperate Saul is. And it also describes how far he has fallen from the Lord. Uh, The Lord has been silent towards him and that in itself is an answer. But it's not the answer Saul wants and so he starts taking a path which the Lord forbids. He's looking for favour from the Lord by consulting with a medium. And one of those things that he knows that the Lord hates He is so far from the Lord, and he is lost. Even the woman he is speaking with has given up her old habits and suspects that this must be some kind of trap. She knows she's not allowed to do what Saul is asking her to do. She knows that what he wants her to do is worthy of death. But Saul swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. It's a a vain and vulgar thing for Saul to say. He means that he will not punish her. But he cannot know what the Lord has in store for her, for what she is about to do. Even as Saul tries desperately to reach approval from God for the coming battle, he sins deeply and personally. He's breaking the law to consult with the medium and he's breaking the law to not put to death those who practice such things. Saul really doesn't deserve to be king of God's kingdom at all. This is Saul at rock bottom. And the woman asked, who shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out the top of her voice and said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a spirit coming up out of the ground. What does he look like, he asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. And Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. 
The woman is surprised to see a result for her usual trickery, but Samuel is there. The Lord has allowed Samuel to speak with Saul one more time. Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me and God has turned away from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams. So I have called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, why do you consult me? Now that the Lord has turned away from you, become your enemy. The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbours, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites. The Lord has done this to you today. All this is mostly what Saul already knew. and not, Nothing has changed. He failed to obey the Lord. The kingdom of Saul will come to an end. David will take up the throne. All of this Samuel had already said to Saul. And although David's name wasn't mentioned at the time, uh, Saul has already come to know that truth already. So this is all what Saul already knew. But there are some new things that Samuel says. In respect to the coming battle, Samuel says, The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. This is new, and it is not the message that Saul hoped for. He was hoping for a confirmation that the Lord would be with him in battle. He hoped for a message like, Go into battle. For the Lord will hand the Philistines over to you. But he got the opposite. You're going to go into battle and you're going to die because Israel is going to be handed over to the Philistines. Immediately Saul full, fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone for he'd eaten nothing all that day and night. The worry of what might come had already left Saul unwilling to eat and now the confirmation that he would die took what little strength he had and he collapsed to the ground in fear. He was going to die. There was no two ways about it. And more than this, his sons would die at the same time. What the Lord had said would come to pass would come to pass in the worst way possible. In one day, his kingdom would come to an end. He would die. And his sons would die. His faithful son Jonathan would never sit on that throne. Saul's hopes and dreams were quashed. The Lord would prevail and Saul's kingdom would come to an end just as the Lord had said through Samuel. The trouble with Saul had been that he would hear the word of the Lord but he wouldn't keep the word of the Lord. He would rally against it. He wasn't seeking David's death all that time because he actually hated David. He sought David's life because he wanted his kingdom to endure. He wanted to stand against what the Lord had said to him. He was rebelling, not against David, he was rebelling against the Lord. And so while he might be able to repent of his murderous intent to David time and time again, it would continue to resurface because he never dealt with the core issue. He wasn't following God. He wanted his own kingdom to endure. And only now does Saul finally see the futility of it all. 
and he now fears his fate. There are times in the Old Testament where a king is condemned by the Lord, but genuine repentance brings a stay of execution. And what was fatal was cured or postponed. This is not one of those moments. Saul's hopes and his world are coming crashing down about him and he feels the wrath of God upon him. When it comes your turn to die, how will you feel about it? Many people will face death with fear and trepidation. Sometimes the only time people will even think about death will be when they face it themselves and suddenly the big question comes to mind, what's going to happen to me? Some people will face death with a false confidence, a belief that their God, who is not God, will save them. Only when they die will they find the truth. A fear of death is not unusual. When we die, the big question that needs addressing is, what will happen to me? The Bible says that man is destined to die once and then face judgment. And, and you don't get to choose who judges you. It will be the Lord God, the creator of all things, who made you and who can rightly choose whether you are cast out onto the rubbish heap or not. He will decide. And so your relationship with God matters. What will happen to you pretty much boils to d- down to, are you right with God? Saul, who sits with a medium doing things he shouldn't, seeking answers he should already know from a God who has rejected him as king, has a problem, doesn't he? His relationship with God has been a broken one. He has lived in rebellion against the Lord. In part, he has done some things well, but that can never make up for his rebellion. And now the time had come, and it was coming soon. There would be no avoiding it. The last time Samuel delivered such a message, the sons of Eli died in battle. And Eli himself died when he heard the news. It happened when Samuel had said it would happen. And now it will be Saul and his sons. It is the final word Saul will hear from the the Lord. But that word is not devoid of hope. Here is a question to ponder. Why did the Lord allow Samuel to come and speak to Saul? I mean, why? Could not the Lord have remained silent? Wouldn't his purposes have been achieved in any case? God had brought judgment upon the kingdom of Saul. His kingship was rejected and that's certain. But what of his life? What of his soul in eternity? There are two signs of hope for Saul even in this moment. And the first is that Samuel really appears. Because that means life after death exists. Samuel's faith was in the Lord and Samuel lives. 
He was not present in the world, but at the very least, spiritually, he's alive. When Jesus was critiqued about the resurrection, he pointed to the Old Testament scriptures where the Lord said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he argued, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And we know better, don't we? Because we know of the resurrection. We know of life after death with even greater certainty because Christ who died was raised to life and he lives still. There is no doubt that when we die, there is still life to be had. And Saul knew it too. The very idea that Saul thought that he might be able to get hold of Samuel suggests that he believed in life after death. And then the Lord allowed Saul to see it for himself. A confirmation that there is a life to come when Saul knew he was going to die soon was a message of hope for Saul. Though in his grief, he did not seem to see it yet. But there was a second sign of hope too. The last thing Samuel said was, The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. Did you hear it? You and your sons will be with me. There are two ways that we could take this meaning and two ways that Saul could have taken it. We could take it to mean that Saul would be with Samuel physically, like he's just going to be dead, he's going to be buried, he's in the ground, that's it. Saul and his sons would die. And, and that may be all that Samuel meant, and I cannot prove it doesn't mean that alone. But it can also mean something else. It can mean that Saul and his sons will be with Samuel. And where's Samuel? With the Lord. You and your sons will be with me. Now death itself and our manner of death is not an indication of God's judgment upon us for eternity. Jonathan stands as an example of this. We know him to be a faithful man throughout his life. The Lord was with him in battle, even as the Lord abandoned Saul as king. Jonathan's faith enabled him to accept David as future king and to set aside his own aspirations for the throne. And he was even the one who went out into the wilderness to meet with David and strengthen him in the Lord. But Jonathan is going to die the same death as Saul in the coming battle. And he would never take the throne. This was God's judgment against Saul's kingship, but not against Jonathan. And that is clear. Jonathan would be with the Lord. So perhaps Saul would be too. Whether Saul would in the end take Samuel's words as an invitation or a condemnation, I cannot say. But that is all it would take. Saul's sins and rebellion, as great as they were, could still be forgiven. Whether Saul sought that forgiveness in the end, we cannot know with certainty, but there was hope. 
even in those last moments. Saul had time to be reconciled with the Lord. And there is hope for all of us too. You can be certain that if you seek forgiveness from the Lord and take Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, your death will only lead to life. And a better life than this one. And better than any of us can imagine. What awaits is wonder and glory and perfection and beauty and marvellous things. What awaits are the welcoming arms of our Lord and God who wipes away every tear from our eyes. What awaits is the warm presence of the Lord that drives away all the darkness. What awaits is paradise. The time of our death is unknown to us. It can come in an instant, like in an accident. It can come with some warning, like when a fatal illness takes hold. Or it can come simply in our sleep. And you won't always have time to turn to the Lord and be reconciled to him. You won't necessarily get a warning like Saul. You won't always have time to turn to the Lord and be reconciled to him. What happens to you in eternity is up to the Lord our God. And you have from now until you die to be made right with him. And it's your sins that would stand in the way. All of the wrong things you've done, all of the bad thoughts that you've had, you can't make up for the sins that you have done and the sins that you have committed can't be taken back. But in Jesus Christ there is forgiveness. Don't wait until the last moment. You may not be in your right mind at the time or you may not have any time. Seek forgiveness from the Lord and be made right with him today. For those who have found that forgiveness, there is great comfort and joy in knowing that there is life after death. There is great hope in knowing that when we die, we go to be with him. And that the life to come is better by far. And there with Christ, there is no more death, no more sickness or pain, no more wickedness, no more sin but peace and joy in the presence of the Lord. We will live with him. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, uh, what can we say to this? You have laid before us a path to life that takes nothing more than turning to you. You have sent your Son into this world to rescue us, and he has. And what awaits for us is 
life forever with you. My Lord, we are so thankful for all that we have in Christ. Lord, we pray for those who are not yet with Christ, who still stand apart, who still stand in rebellion. Uh, Lord, help us to encourage friends and family who are still not right with you. Give us the grace and the love, the patience to deal with them gently. And Lord, be at work in them. May they come to know the peace and joy that comes from being in Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.